but alternative media is the way now. It is the way because you have consistent content all the time. Like if you can just get your voice out there and, you know, talk what you need to, it's not always about spreading propaganda. It's, it's about really telling people's real stories about the hard work that goes in between, you know, failures and wins and that they both come with life. Like, honestly, I'm 31, but you know, I've had my fair share of losses already. And mm -hmm. I, if I can still keep going, like, trust me, you can too. Hey everyone, thanks for coming back another week. Today we're talking to a super exciting guest, Max Martinez. This is somebody that, you know, grew up playing sports, broke Michael Vick's combine record in high school, went and played college football, became a professional tennis player, has went on to do things in the tech startup scene. Um, but more importantly now is focused on giving back to his community, doing a grassroots campaign um, for the city commission in Miami. And super excited about the conversation today. We dive into all these different things from his background in sports, how that you know, parlayed into his business in that political world. So I think you're going to get a lot out of this conversation and super excited to have him on. Um, but let's dive right in and join the conversation with Max. Thanks for, for joining me today. And I kind of want to start, you know, we talked a little bit about how it seems like a lot of your businesses have, have in, integrated the idea of like what athletes bring to the table. Um, so kind of want to start at the beginning, like, were you always an athlete? Did you always enjoy sports? What kind of got you started? Well, I fell in love with sports when I was five years old, the 1996 summer Olympics, I was visiting my family in Spain and I saw Shaquille O'Neal and Penny Hardaway on the front of a magazine promoting the USA uh -huh. dream team too. And I instantly got hooked by the uniforms, the athletes, the personalities, the entire culture that is basketball like that magazine taught me how to read better that summer it it immersed me and you know introduced me to new cultures I fell in love with basketball and basketball will always be my number one however I'm a 5'10 white Hispanic guy and you know things evolve along the way but when I was 12 I broke my hand and basketball wasn't going so well height wise that I uh, switched to tennis and I made it to the top five in the state by ninth grade. And then I transferred to go play football at an all boys Catholic school, 30 minutes away from home, because I believe that the best way an athlete could get to college in the United States is by playing college football. And by numbers, that is statistically correct. So whenever you take a risk, just like athletes do, like you have to take risks. They have to be calculated in a way and they can't be impossible. You have to have some sort of a plan. And that's what being an athlete and growing up as one, you know, gave me a consistent goal to go after something. I didn't have distractions. I was very focused on whatever it was I was doing. The hardest parts of my life have become, you know, transitioning after. Like now I get to play tennis, but, you know, it's not as competitive. Um, I still play pickup. I'm in a basketball league, but, you know, you're one torn ACL away at 31 from uh, from saying goodbye. So it's mostly shoot arounds. But I guess, yeah, you know, the ability to switch sports, you know, comes from athletic ability. But when you're trained 
in basketball out of all sports, the hand-eye coordination plus the foot movement, the chopping, the, the, the sidestepping, everything, those movements translate to every other sport, even tennis, because you have your shuffling, your feet have to be consistently moving. And I, like I said, I'm a 5'10". My family's from Spain and Staten Island. I worked so hard to win the Nike Combine in high school and beat Michael Vick's Nike Combine record. Um, and that's when things really, that was actually 15 years ago, two days ago, but, um, you know, that really got the football dream started. And I truly believe I was going to make the NFL, but as things have it, there's a reason that two weeks later at a workout, my back popped and I lost most of my offers, lost most of them, except one school stuck with me the whole time. And that's my alma mater, Cornell university. So you know, I sports have taken me on a journey throughout life and a mentality that I could ramble on for days. I wouldn't even know where to start, but I do know where to finish because this has been a long answer. But if you want to segue off that into something else, I could keep going. No, no. I mean, and, and um, I think I like the long answers. I think you get a lot more information. And to me, it's about that mindset. So do you think it was the competitive nature of it or was it just the passion of like kind of working together because I asked because like basketball and tennis two different ideas right like when you go from a team sport to individual but what was it about sports in particular you think that really caught your interest before I answer that one because the one that you just said the team versus individual is a very good point the team versus individual when I went lost I broke my hand and I had to miss a basketball season that moves you down the depth chart at your school. You know how it is politics, the politics of that. I had to find a new sport to be the best at. And that is what drives me to be the best at whatever it is I'm meant to be. I don't, I don't know what that is. I don't know. I don't know what that label is. Like, do you ever, you know, do you think Curtis Jackson after he got shot nine times, told you that he was going to be producing power and have one of the greatest selling hip hop albums of all time. No, but life works out in crazy mysterious ways. And that right there, in my opinion, um, really sticks out to me because a team sport and an individual sport take a lot more different of a toll on you. And with tennis, it was a, way different mindset way different I didn't just have to show up to basketball practice I had to literally be out try to be out there two times a day and that's ultimately what chose me what led me to football is I had I wasn't allowed to leave the state because my parents wouldn't let me I mean go up north you know where there's so I'm in Miami Florida um but it rains down here so the summers are terrible especially for tennis players, because there's not a single indoor facility. And because of that, and because I wasn't allowed to move, I decided to transfer schools and play football, make a completely new group of 100 people that I did not know, you know, and Mm -hmm. said I was going to be the best at this sport. And I just worked as hard as I could, you know, and disciplined. Like I was very, I, I made a huge risk at 14 years old saying, all right, I'm going to give up top five in tennis to to really go make it to college football. Like that, it sounds crazy to people, but behind, behind, there's a method behind the madness. There, you got to have 
you gotta you gotta believe in yourself to a point, but you also have to have the structure and plan to get there. And mine, I realized I have a very individual sport focused mind, which can rub off on teammates and stuff a lot the wrong way at times. But the team camaraderie is what you definitely miss the most out of sports. Like that's just what you miss the most. Now, was it the competitive part of sports that drove me? Absolutely. Absolutely. Why do you do anything not to be the best at it? I would never do anything to just be average at it. Like I'm not trying to be pedestrian. I'm trying to be elite. You know, it's, it's, I, I, I can't imagine growing up dreams of being second. Who does that? Um, you really just have to shoot for the stars. And once I saw that magazine, I had a Penny Hardaway jersey. I was dribbling a basketball instead of kicking a soccer ball like my dad had me doing. And, you know, I took it from there. And I would, soon I was like a top AAU point guard. But I spent every day outside. And I, I just know that to be the LeBrons of the world, to be the Tom Brady's of the world, the work that they put in behind the scenes and that mentality, they don't do it to not be the best ever. They do it to be the like literally the one of a kind, the one of a kind. And that's what I'm saying is that sports and the competitive nature of it combined with the team aspect, there's a lot of different aspects involved. But I think originally it always starts with competitiveness and trying to be the best at anything you can do no that's that's an awesome perspective to take on it and it and it leads me to the idea that like when you said you know no matter what it is and you don't know what that is yet but you want to be the best do you have a specific goal a specific dream out there or is it you always are you know kind of in the moment i'm doing the best at what i can and then i take the opportunities as they come like, how do you kind of think about your how the term? I mean, so Jordan, you know this, but the listeners don't at this point in the episode yet. But in 13 days, there is a special election in my hometown of the city of Miami for my district's commissioner seat. And a little background on that is I ran for mayor in 2021 and came runner up. So a special election being held on a Monday of of February in an off-cycle election year. This is one of those times I just got done 15 months ago doing it. I dropped everything and said, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. This is what I'm supposed to be focused on doing. I'm supposed to not think so ceremonial of a position. I'm supposed to be the one that protects the entire florida coast from the the climate crisis and all the climate attacks were happening i'm the one that's going to build the first indoor tennis centers i'm the i'm the one that is going to transform the district that i grew up in and weatherproof it and make it sustainable for the future so that everyone can be a great athlete and enjoy it that's my goal and how that came to me well that's a whole different story. I mean, how'd I get into politics? Yeah. Tell me that. Why? So it connects, it connects, it connects. It really does. In 2020, all of our lives changed. All of our lives changed because we were forced to really introspect, you know, and really what do you want to do with your life? 
Now, my life was going pretty. Can I, can I say bad words on the show or no? Yeah, you can say whatever you want. Oh, okay. Okay, cool. So my <laughs> life was, my life was going pretty fucking well going, in, yeah. going into 20, going into 2020. Um, I was producing and co-created the Everything DB show with Darius Butler, um, who I met at a hotel event uh, a week before in 2019. And, you know, I like, you know how many people go up to an NFL players and pitch them ideas and ever come through? I had this dude a full packet the next day, like, look, this is what the show is going to look like. Now he's hosting the Pat McAfee show. Yeah, I'm a big fan of DB. <laughs> you're you're a big fan of oh, D. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. He's that's that makes me so happy to hear because I was the one that was proactive enough to say that this guy has a voice that can't be. If he lost those months of his career, after his career, his retirement career, where he wasn't on air and someone wasn't giving him a platform or a motivation to be on, on air all the time. You know, I'm not taking credit, but he, mm -hmm. he would not have gotten to where he is in terms of we were at the Pro Bowl. We were at the Super Bowl because luckily they were happening down here in Miami and he's a South Florida guy too. So that was a really perfect partnership. Along with that, Bobalot was sponsoring me in tennis and giving me rackets for advertising and everything. And Inter Miami was paying me to be an ambassador for them before their first ever kickoff. Their first ever kickoff was the day after March 11, 2020, when uh, the NBA kind of shut mm -hmm. it down. And that's what I mean, that the, the entire culture really revolved around sports. It really does. And when people took COVID seriously was when the NBA had people walk out of stadiums you know that's that's when people really said oh shit like we're we're gonna be locked in here like this is real um I, i'm getting a little off topic here okay. but um it, where i'm going with it is after that i was on a podcast with uh actually right after that before all this on the way back from the pro bowl which was in orlando I got the news that Kobe Bryant died and I cried for the first time. I cried for the first time in the car. It was like perfect moment to cry. You know, like I was driving back from Orlando. Like there couldn't be a better time to like yeah. take, take a nice cry. And I'm like, artistically inside, like I'm like thinking like, damn, like what can I say social media wise? Like to, to, you know, really tell you how much this hurt me. But I run, I run an agency, which just goes under my name now, You, because everyone has an agency now. But anyways, um, it's been around since 2016, Max Future, but Max Martinez. But I have a friend who's a, South, who's a Miami rapper, artist, named DYFL. And I'm like, look, DY, I have this beat for you. I want to put you in a Lakers Kobe throwback. I want you to write it to the sentiment of this beat, these phrases that I mentioned here. So I took all this like sadness and pain because I was in a production, uh, you know, 
overload, like content world, I was ready for it. Like I was going to be the one to take over the sports sector. I shot, produced, recorded the video. It ended up being a 75,000 view hit and his highest YouTube video ever. But listen to the strategy. I wanted to release it on 224 and I wanted it to be two minutes and 24 seconds long. And that is like, those are the details that, you know, being an athlete and, and thinking about like, what are the really little things that people are actually going to care about and talk about going to be here. And the song was great. Production for me was great. I was jumping onto other podcasts like the Trey morning, uh, the morning show, which is hosted by my friend Trey morning, who also happens to be the son of Alonzo morning, but we grew up together down here. And this was, he was a G league player. So this was a really interesting conversation because like I just said, the NBA is what determined COVID. So we had a COVID conversation. Like when is this going to end? And in, in March, I made the prediction that, you know, they're just going to find an outlier city quarantine everyone and finish the season because they know they have to financially. That's what the Orlando bubble was. And the heat made the finals, you know? So I was in a zone. I was, I, I was getting everything right. You know what I'm saying? Like everything was going right. George Floyd happened. George Floyd happened. And when George Floyd happened, I flew back from not to sound like a victim, but my uncle's funeral in, in New York, like just to be at this George Floyd protest on Grand Avenue in Coconut Grove. And when I got off the plane, I got home, I threw on a Kaepernick shirt. I, 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 I was coming off plane. I didn't plan on going this with anyone. I was showing up solo um, because it meant a lot to me. It meant a lot to me. And, I, you know, I was sad to see it. And when I got there, I was shocked that no one that I knew was there. And that's, that's when everything, and when the, you know, that's when everything started really clicking for me. Okay. How, how do you really, really change the system and not just make protest statements? You need to learn the rules to the game and learn how to play it. And that is exactly what I did. I saw that the spot for the mayor of the city of Miami was open in November. So what I did was I got ready and I built my practice schedule. My practice schedule was working on a Democratic campaign during the 2022 election. And by the end of it, I was a territory captain for two different cities in Miami. And, you know, I got the idea of how to run a political campaign. And I jumped in two weeks later. And for 343 days, I ran for mayor of the city of Miami. That's how I got into politics. That's how 2020 just turned my life around. That is how being an athlete applies to it. Like you can go out and like have all these dreams, but if, if you don't put the work in, you're never, ever going to, you're never going to see the results. And if you're afraid to win, you know, that's your fault. No, that's, a, that's an amazing story. And it's like, you're two months, I think, older than me. So it's like, we've lived, we've kind of grown up the same time, obviously, 
the Kobe stuff. It's like, it all was so impactful for us. And it's like, do you, is it, has your mindset always just been to be open and try new things? Cause I'm kind of like this myself, but it's like, why would you go from basketball to tennis to football to, Hey, now I'm going to produce a song. Hey, now I'm going to run an agency for marketing perspective. Now I'm going to go into politics. How do you stay so varied and um, I guess adaptable to do these different things? Or is it just, I'm going to try it. And if it, you, it doesn't... <laughs> you, well, look, it's, it's, one of those things that, like I said, basketball gave me the athletic coordination to start playing all the other sports. Just the same way my first job out of college was founding a startup in San Francisco. When you have to found stuff, when, when it's your job to be a co-founder of a startup, you got to do everything. So I, I'm an expert at Photoshop. I'm an expert at video editing. I'm, a, I'm an expert at all the small details of things and, you know, it, it, the rest is just like kind of like energy but once again you go and you work for a second on the democratic campaign for two months to learn how to do it you build your own system you do things because you want to go after them if if you really believe that you have a plan to achieve something you, you should do it because if you don't you're going to regret it forever are you are you ever afraid of failing I mean, you'd never want to lose, but if you, if you're afraid of failing, you're afraid of winning. You That's... can't, you can't, you, you can't, you can't be afraid to win. And the only way to to do that is to take that first step, right? Like I always talk, I think and... that's that fear of taking that initial step is what holds a lot of people back. That's so, why I asked it that way. You know, the phrase that you shouldn't put all of your eggs in one basket. Right. Why don't they ever tell you that you can make more eggs? Like, I don't, I, it just, that's the way I look at it. That's the way I look at it. And yeah, yeah you're going to fail sometimes. It's going to happen. And sometimes it's going to be more catastrophic, more public, more. I ran for 343 days telling people to their face, hello, I want to be the mayor of the city of Miami. Will you vote for me? Do you think I have any shame going up to anyone these days? after like the ridicule, the judgment, the, the everything that I've been through? Absolutely not. Like, I, I don't care about followers. I don't care about any of that stuff. I, I genuinely care about the people who know that I'm very much trying. And in, in this case, that is resulted in, in votes, you know, depending on how many votes you get, which there's a lot of factors that play into that, the politics of things, you know, the people, the news, the everything. Like, that's a ton of will because there are vote like you can't go into an election thinking oh you know i'm gonna get around this many votes like count every vote that you have know every this is a national campaign this isn't a state campaign this isn't a this is a municipal district campaign this is going to be determined by the hundreds and there's only going to be a few thousand so this is for 11 miles of the coast, the most vulnerable coast in the United States. And I want that responsibility because I feel like I was put in this moment for this reason. This is why I failed. This is why I lost in 2021, because that was the wrong position. That wasn't where I could make an impact. That's a ceremonial position. And I fully learned that by actually experiencing it and 
paying the prices and the consequences for your actions, I was devastated. What do you want me to say? I, I really believe that the game wasn't so rigged, which that's a whole different story. But as the young, clean candidate who doesn't take money from corporate or PACs, like just individual, very 100% grassroots to the oldest nature, you know, I, I guess I didn't realize like the media influence and all of that. Like I, I looked into it too much and I tried to reach into it too much, tried to gain maybe I, I never did anything to try to gain it, but I relied on it thinking that it was going to be a given. And that was a huge and that's part of the game plan. When a huge part of your game plan has a massive hole in it. That's how plans go down. And that goes with all all different aspects of game plans and campaigns and startups and and everything. But the one thing that switching from all those sports and switching from all these is that everything is about skills. The more skills you have, and look, it sucks to get labeled as a jack of all trades. It really does. But when you think about what I'm running for now, a commissioner, that's what a commissioner does is a jack of all trades. So it, it does make sense. But being a jack of all trades in today's world, everyone's a jack of all trades in today's world. It's all about how many more trades do you know than the other jack? That's just the way it is. Like, because that makes you a more resourceful person. Right. You, if you can get more done as a solo <laughs> person, you save money. You, that's why I was able to get double digit percent of the vote on $21,000 and $6.96 a vote. Like I, my numbers were insane. Like I scored a trip, a quadruple double in an NBA finals match <laughs> and I still lost. Like it was, yeah. I was, I, I wasn't mad about the, 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 the results, the, the quote unquote analytics, but you know, like I said, the other factors play in the media, the everything, blah, blah. but yeah. Well, when it goes to, when it comes to politics, and I think you'd have a unique ability and insight to answer this question. I've always been concerned with the the duopoly of a two-party system, right? And I feel like that that control by the two parties creates the dichotomy in our society, right? Because it, it bucketizes everyone where it's like, I'm in this bucket and I'm almost less concerned with my beliefs as I'm more concerned with, I want that bucket to be wrong. How do we open that dialogue? How do we actually get people to understand that? Like most of us, I think, aren't really this way or the other. We're all kind of right here. It's a bell curve, right? So how do we start to create that dialogue to get people to understand that? Well, I'm the perfect person to talk to about that because I'm running in a municipal election, which is nonpartisan. Okay. It's your, the one thing that people need to remember is to participate in every local election because mm -hmm. your everyday reality is what you see when you open the door every day. And that isn't controlled by your president, your governor. That is controlled by the people that take care of your city. That is not, that is not bigger things at play. The immediate things are done by your municipality. So that being said, Right now, that they're making it partisan politics down here. You know, they, they like to do that, even though it's a nonpartisan election. But okay. you see, that's my goal is that we, we just have too many issues down here to even talk about partisanship. Like, you hate traffic? 
Well, it's only getting worse every day. <laughs> you hate flooding streets. Well, that's what climate crisis has been about for the past 20 years. And, you know, you have failed to address the proper infrastructure. You just now to Republicans that live on coastal areas that are getting flooded, you know, they have a very democratic AOC type of way of combating it. It's unique, but they probably voted for Ron DeSantis because they're Republican. But at the same time, it's all about what your municipality can do for you at this point with their funds and everything. So when it comes to the whole party thing, I, I agree that the two party system's done, but that's also why I, I'm doing politics my own way. It's clear, transparent individual contributions. Everyone says they can crack or, you know, expose corruption, whatever, whatever that word corruption means to you. But you don't know unless you actually go and try to do it. You don't know, <laughs> yeah. you, you don't know anything about anything unless you try to go and do it. So I, I, I really believe that if you wanna expose corruption, you've got to be 100% transparent with people about anything they ask. And that's all I can give you about my finance. My financials come from family. You know, it sucked begging friends for money. It's terrible begging friends for money, but I went to an Ivy League school. Isn't that what I'm supposed to do? Like, that's kind of what I'm taught. I was given a list of a, of 2000, like Democrats across the United States and four states. And I called them, called them cold calling like a salesperson, you know, hey, I'm a first time candidate. I'm 29 years old at this time. And you're running against this guy, the incumbent. That's crazy. Like, you're, you're, you're insane. You're insane. I'm so insane. Why the hell did I come in second place? You, you know, I wasn't that insane. It's just that is, and now don't even get me started, but you know, the city's taking a turn. And that's also another reason why I felt that this was a great time to run this type of campaign. I'm doing this on a, on a 45 day turnaround, 45 day turnaround. And I think that's what's so inspiring about seeing your campaign in general is the whole idea that you're doing it grassroots, like you're giving up these cool things that you could have been doing to, to help in your community. So it's like, can we dive into the specifics of like what it would mean if you're elected? Right. So you talked about Absolutely. like climate, climate change on the coast. What, what can a, there's what, five city commissioners? Yeah. Like what, so what can the commission do to actually help? your your community when it comes to the climate crisis dude that's a very nuanced question because um there's a miami matrix to put it lightly in our city's government okay. in terms of the commission members um a, a police chief got fired for making a comment in 2021 six months after being hired and he said the phrase i'm not going to repeat it but anyways it's going to be up to me to bring the partnerships. I've got to bring partnerships to get the other commissioners to give me at least three votes. I got to get three votes to get things passed. I have to do good things for them, which means I have to. And that's the thing. It's a full-time job mm -hmm. to be able to get the votes that I want to get the things I done. I've got to do good favors for them. Like, so if I'm bringing X and Y company to start a PPP indoor tennis center, in you know my area like hey would you like one too would you like one too like i that's how i interpret the job is like you can take it as high as you want or you can become that person that just takes the job 
to make money off of it. Like I want you to see tangible progress. That's what I expect about getting elected. Like, boom, I, I'm just because I have to hypothetically prepare to have the job the next day if I were to win. I've already texted people like, are you on my staff on February 28th? Mm. I need I, I need to know because I have budget. I, I It's my first day on the job, too. Like, I need you there if you're going to be part of it. So, yeah, I mean, you just got to plan for things like that, even though it could not happen. But if I I, I don't play to lose, I don't right. fucking play to lose. Like, I'm going to be in office. I'm going to speak it into existence. But everything does happen for a reason. And um, I don't even really, really remember what the question was. So, so specifically, of- so mine was about, which it, that's a so good answer, but like, what about the specifics around like climate change? Like what can a, like what can a city okay. commission do okay. so, in particular uh, to help? So like our big thing right now is, so I actually live on the coast and my, I get flooded. Um, all coastal properties do. So you got to think about it. what does that do for a resident? Their insurance goes, my flood insurance, 96% raise this year. Like that's, that's the type of impact that climate gentrification has that like for the people who don't live in climate gentrified states, which there are abundance of, that is what that looks like on the coastal states. You'll probably be around in 300 years, but I, I cannot guarantee the future the way it's currently going. I can, I just, I would love to have a hand in it and make a difference. But the options being talked about and the options being implemented keep getting delayed or keep getting deferred. And the options, one of them, one of them, the U.S. Army Corps suggested a humongous seawall. And do you think all the people that pay for rich apartments on the coast want to see a big ass fucking wall in front of the water? No, that's not practical. So anyways, you need to do you need to protect people's views you need to protect their viewscapes and you know everything they have but you need to mitigate this crisis right so you have to find natural solutions and there's mangroves there's there there, there's um different types of plants that you can plant so that they grow naturally and they mitigate the impact of say hurricane winds and everything Because the problem with hurricanes, the problem with flooding, the problem with all of this not being taken care of earlier, like storm drains, everything, like all this stuff, is that for us, every time after a hurricane, it's, it's, it, we're, we have third world infrastructure here. If you've ever been to Miami, like, you, you know, you don't rely on public transportation here, you need a car. And that's like right now, we're trying to take that move into that we're not getting there. You know, we're not getting there because people aren't being given options. We're not, we're not doing anything to actually help the climate because no one's actually like really thinking about like what legislation or what can I propose in the charter amendments? Like what can I do to actually make a tangible impact that people can tell you, okay, this is what my city's government is doing to combat the climate crisis keep my streets from flooding and keep my insurance down. That's why I'm happy 
to live in the city of Miami. But that's not the case here, where District 2 residents pay the most in property taxes, pay the most in insurance premiums, and they're all only going up. And they might lose coverage. Who knows? Right now, they they are the new wave of climate gentrification. Whereas it's so different, and this is so interesting, but climate gentrification, what it does is it takes the coast because that's meant for the elite. And it slowly pushes the impoverished neighborhoods, the black red line neighborhoods of Miami out. But now it's getting to the Cuban part. So it's getting to the point where they're, the city government is telling you, look, this is what we're doing about climate change. We are going to make you suffer through floods. We are going to make you decide whether or not you want to buy amphibious vehicles when they come out. You, we're going we're gonna to make sure that you pay the highest insurance ever, and we're not going to give a crap about you because we have more real estate to develop. That's the way these people think. And it's so evident in the results of the city. And when you have the same names running running the city since 1979 and wonder why there's no progress, well, it's because it's the same people doing the same things. So that's why I'm so hell-bent on breaking into this matrix and being the voice of reason, budgeting, thinking about the future, thinking about residents, um, because there are so many ways to answer the climate change question. As you can see, it affects absolutely everything. But for those who aren't familiar with it, I think I gave you a pretty decent crash course there on it mm -hmm. that, 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 you know, you're now seeing the, the rich end uh, of, uh, of climate gentrification where, the rich are going to have to move from the coast and now the gentrified properties are going to get filled. And that's essentially what they're trying to do here. And you can do that in New York city where you have all these buildings, but you can't hear why because we don't have public transportation. We don't have it like that. So it's all these issues, you know, com compacted on top of one another that, you know, I see this job as something that I can push boundaries on. I can, yeah, I can get them to do things by working with them. Are, are the incumbents rewarded by keeping that status quo? Is that the issue that they want to the hear something? The special I, I, interests have control over that stuff? Special interests. The city of Miami uses its government as the city of Miami's commissioners use the government's bank as their own. They pay off lawsuits that are filed against them with city money. It's it, it's real Miami stuff, just the most. And unfortunately, that is the stereotype that I'm trying to change. That lack of civility, that lack of organization, that lack of you know coordination, all these things that are infrastructurally correct from a timing perspective and a and a urgency perspective, rather than you know, just as much as it is a physical, you know, wall and stuff like what are we doing about the other things like there are just so many different aspects of it. And 
let's just put it this way. Money's always missing. Money's always just missing. And, you know, I mean, I, I don't know if I can get an audit my first day in office, but hopefully one of the teammates is there with me to figure it out. <laughs> I think that's a good place to start is because um, that's always been my thing is like, I think you take the, the financing aspect out of it. And all of a sudden, your eyes would be opened a little bit to what's what's going on at every level of politics. But I think, um, especially like you said, at those community levels where it's like there's probably not a lot of oversight. Yeah, and you know they don't cover the damn elections here, but the people who have the money control the media, so they have all the influence. Yeah. And you go to any of the in-person panels, like if you've ever looked at my, I, I mean, mm-hmm. I followed you on Instagram recently, and you know I went through a little few of your videos, but like my speeches are. I mean, not to even hype myself up like that, but because I had 343 days of practice in 2021, there's like no doubt who the best candidate on stage is every time he's up there because I'm giving you quick and concise answers. I'm not stuttering. I'm not thinking. I'm going with my point and I'm saying it in under a minute so that you're never, ever cutting me off. You know, I'm always getting the last point in and the whole oversight of local politics. People are scared. I mean, the media doesn't hold them accountable and works with them. And that's why I technically went all speaking of this podcast and podcast, you know, how we connected. I'm going all alternative media because the only thing Mm -hmm. that's important is not who my hometown newspaper is endorsing because what they did to me in 2021 by interviewing me for six hours and writing half a sentence about me that is something i'll just never for i that's not forgivable even when i get elected i will never give them an interview unless i'm literally forced to the job too and but alternative media is the way now it is the way because you have consistent content all the time like if you can just get your voice out there and you know, talk what you need to. It's not always about spreading propaganda. It's it's about really telling people's real stories about the hard work that goes in between, you know, failures and wins. And that they both come with life. Like, honestly, I'm 31, but, you know, I've had my fair share of losses already. And mm-hmm. I, if I can still keep going, like, trust me, you can too. <laughs> no, that's, I, I agree that, alternative media is like i think we're in the middle of that that shift right i mean when you look at even like you know darius butler and what he's been able to do on the mcafee show and it's like they control most of the sports narrative right now and they are not from a network it's like that's that's a crazy idea and, and you're seeing it all over the place when mr beast is one of the most popular places for people to engage with entertainment it's like how did these things happen you know it, it, it's just all kind of back to like the grassroots idea like that's what people want they want that authenticity from people without the corporate governance i think that they can see it in what in those messages and in those different platforms and speaking of mr beast yeah because like you said those platforms those platforms play a drastic role in who these people become because mr beast let's say start he started these they all started through youtube Mm -hmm. but people really broke out through tiktok people really took like andrew tate would have never happened without tiktok 
Like that would have never happened without TikTok. He wouldn't have become this viral yeah. legend. Why? Why is that? Why is it that? Why is TikTok so different? Why is TikTok so different? Because people can aren't forced by the social pressure of ads, likes, and everything, and they can just scroll through their for you page and and browse the content that they like and want to. And whether they're extremely right, extremely left, they love sports, they love design, they love commute trails, whatever, whatever their passion is. That day, if they want to get in on their phone for their 30 minutes and go down the rabbit hole that could be Wikipedia, it's their content. But that's how you find all these people who are the niche, the niche. Like, so the, the interviews that I've done, like one of them was with a, a hard right, a, a very hard right. Like a, a, he wore... Um, uh, anti-vaccinated and ready to commit tax fraud t-shirt on the podcast like that kind of right mm -hmm. um the real keep florida free right um because if for those of you who don't know our governor ron DeSantis, his his saying is keep florida free and his uh motto is where woke goes to die so if you're someone who's very progressive thinking like myself like you know, this is a tough state to live in, but to change the culture of Miami is even tougher. But I mean, to get back to the point of alternative media is being on those types of things. This is a nonpartisan election. I don't care if you're Republican. I don't care. And Andrew Tate, he's jumping on Aiden Ross. He's jumping on Sneeko. He's jumping on these these twitch streams you know with uh kai sanat like all these guys just fed into each other fed into each other and who thought that the paul brothers would become as big as they are jake paul is a friggin' boxer prime and i i don't i'm not i'm not i i i, I don't genuinely like care for logan because i just don't but prime i think it's close to being a billion dollar company i'm not even kidding like right. it's pretty incredible and that's the thing is short form media allows you to get the point out a lot quicker and tiktok especially allows you to get to whatever it is you really want to watch by the end of it video that you want to is see it, is it more of a true unfiltered algorithm is that all it is is that the difference between it and some of the other platforms it's just it truly follows your your engagement. Uh, I literally, you can go in there and during the World Cup, it was as many World Cup highlights and facts as I wanted to know. Mm -hmm. You know, it was like, it was awesome. It was great, you know, and now it's tons of different, you know, heat news and stuff like that. Yeah. It really depends on what you like to hear about. Like you, motivational speeches come up from like athletes, like that kind of stuff. But also I only like it if I want to see something more like it, I don't like it because I have to like so-and-so's post because they posted it. Gotcha. You, yep. I, my friend posted it. So I have to like it, you know, that kind of Instagram feel the, the, the Twitter feel the, you know, you choose whether or not you like it. And that's why I'm just right now, Max Martinez from Miami. I'm just kind of uploading everything and seeing where the world takes it because uh, you know tiktok is so new it's so random and you know now it's controversial that they're trying to ban it so 
And where is that starting once again? Where woke goes to die in Florida, <laughs> Marco Rubio. Well, it's like, but, uh, no, I, and I kind of started this podcast with the idea that, and I think that it was somewhat flawed because the idea was I wanted to be put positivity out there because there was a lack of it because you can get into social media where it gets dark. But I think that it's not social media's fault, right? It's what you engage with. So it's it's the human's fault that that's what we're engaging with. Um, not that we don't need positivity out there, but it it it's up to us to kind of decide what it is we're we're scrolling through, what we're reading, what we're it, engaging it, with. And that's what what people you know who claim that we're being brainwashed technology are. That's the point they're making. It's like you don't have to be on your phone. You just don't. You don't have to be on your phone at all. Like you you don't. You should have a phone in today's world for payment, safety, and phone purposes. You don't have to have Instagram. You don't have to have all these things. And but if you want to stay involved socially, you right. you got to have the communication. The you know, it, it, there's a bunch of different. It just TikTok is the one social media that's not social. It's not really social. It, mm. it doesn't. It's not about who, how many friends you have. It's who likes what you're talking about. That's why I think that alternative media, especially podcasts, have translated so well. Because all you need is a sound bite. If you take a sound bite and then you chop up the clips, I mean, back to Andrew Tate, how do you think that, that he, do you really think he, he speaks that flawlessly every time that he's spewing what he says? I doubt it. I doubt it personally. As a producer, I doubt it because, right. you know, it's like, wow, these are Bible verses coming out of his mouth. Like these are so perfect, like these yeah. are flawless, but, but being able to cut it up and give people the most enticing part and then saying follow part two or like for part two like really just getting people to engage with them i mean tiktok just kind of if people who jumped on tiktok are seeing success right now you're just seeing it um i want to switch back to some of the policy ideas (laughs) i know we went down a rabbit hole there but i'm i'm intrigued when you talked about um kind of the traffic management and noise pollution um i'm just kind of curious what those solutions look like and so those are those are okay so noise pollution is what i'm going to tell you is a first world problem right because what 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 the noise pollution that i'm specifically talking about in my platform is if you live on the water in Miami in, in, along the coast, especially the Brickle area, at two in the morning, boats blasting Bad Bunny at 2.30 to the highest decibel levels uh, will just ruin any peace you have. It, they will wake you up. If you're trying to fall asleep, there will be four at a time. And those all come through the channel that also lifts up the bridge, the Brickle Bridge, that splits the middle of the city, the city of Miami, downtown and Brickle in half. It splits it in half, like completely. It's bridges up, you can't cross. So those two things combined show two things, lack of lack of accountability and lack of enforcement. And, and basically just not being proactive about it once again. Like there needs to be technology. If we can have speed limit calculators on on the streets, why can't we have noise decibel calculators that measure how high a boat's volume is 
And if a boat's volume is way too high, they're, they're literally stopped immediately. They're stopped immediately and hit with some kind of a fine or just some kind of thing that they will never, ever do it again. But signage is a big deal. And if you let them know early, that would help too, you know, but being proactive about it, you can make these small little details so much better. And traffic's not a small detail. Noise right. pollution is a small detail, but there's also noise pollution in cars. But anyways, but the noise pollution detail of boats, that is, man, that is something that as a candidate, that as someone who has never been involved in the city's government, this just doesn't seem like something that is a lose-lose for anyone, a win-lose for anyone. It's win-win for everyone. You know, right. it's like your res your residents are happy. I I just your highest paying residents are happy. Like that's a pretty good thing. Incentive to, to do say. it. <laughs> like instead of like, oh, my insurance is going up and stuff, like for them to actually be happy about something. Is it and does that's does the traffic go back to the whole um, public transportation thought as well? Like, and how realistic is that in Miami? If you're a real, real optimist, which I like to be, I surround myself with them to be the realist at the end of the day, because I'm the one that want, you know, wants to be elected to make decisions. Like what, what is truly tangible? What is, what is just not real? The city of Miami was built was incorporated by a woman, Julia Tuttle. And it was built on railroad tracks by Henry Flagler. That's how people got down here. That's how development started. Believe it or not, this is where Burger King started. Um, that's why BK's headquarters is down here. That's like our local corporation. Um, all that happened. And then came, you know, and I'm my my dad's an immigrant, like, but then came the waves of immigrants, and you know, it's just overcrowding, overpop, just language difficulties, barriers, black, Hispanic, white, everyone, like no one was truly prepared for it. We had race riots in 1980s, and everyone knows Florida is racist as it is, like, um, but all these things combined. They gentrify and build highways over the black neighborhoods like Overtown. They build them through Liberty City. They build them through everywhere because those were further inland and blacks were put further away from the beach. And that's why the black community being on the edge is always like literally always on the verge of being pushed out. And now that the rich people, that's what I'm telling you, now that the rich and the highest property paying tax, like they're dealing with some issues they don't want to deal with anymore. Like flooding insurance and everything else it's either do i want to stay in miami do i move inland do and if i move inland i push out especially if your government's not building affordable housing so the fact is is that it's uh it's a very that we have the second largest wealth gap in the united states probably first now to be honest with you but it's a very you know nine one percent type mentality it's a one percent i call it the brickle bridge mentality where you can just stop time because you have money but yet you pay no toll for it because there's no toll for these yachts to go through the bridge and 
if you're stopping people's everyday time from going to work, from getting to job, and bear in mind, like it's not just morning hours anymore. Ubers, Uber Eats, and all those other things that are reliant on these things are being stopped. What is the city getting out of it? What is the city getting out of it that it's stopping and 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 ruining its residents' quality of life? But that's because they never focused on public transportation. And if you focused on public transportation, the bridge would have never been such an issue. It never would have been such an issue because so many people wouldn't have had to commute over it. And, you know, the best idea that I've ever come up with is a, a coastline ferry. That's that's just something that seems plausible. It's one of those dreamer thoughts. But, yeah. you know, you push it out there to see where other people take it. Because the other day I was talking about, you know, we have a real issue down here. Of, they banned scooters on the coast here, like out of all places to ban scooters. Don't get me started. But <laughs> public transportation and congestion is worse than ever. And especially when it floods, it becomes the work. But what kind of public transportation can you give people that will get people from uh, a hot human Miami 1.2 mile walk rather than use like like the like the, the public transit system that everyone knows and I had this thought in the car on the, my way to the Canes versus uh, Duke basketball game the other day of elongated golf carts elongated golf carts like because golf carts are a part of the homeowning communities of mm -hmm. my district which 16,000 single family homes 46,000 apartments that's how unbalanced it and overdeveloped it is because think about 46,000 apartments how many cars are in those apartments there's so many cars and when you're not made to take that much and you're built on limestone and you're dealing with the sea, there's, there's environmental factors, just like what we are built on. We are built on limestone, you know, which is a, a very special type of, of rock, but not, not indestructible. It's right. very much, if you decide to hit the core, you could do something very catastrophic. So I, I just, public transportation i just think we got to find ways to streamline it and to me that means alternative vehicles like golf carts scooters and and those are jobs those are jobs for people as well like and as well as not only are they jobs it's also something that might make people feel safer it might make people feel you know like there's going to be less crime because there's people around, you know, not just a bus, but an open golf cart. And then, you know, hopefully that helps the police a little bit, you know, with, with, with all the issues they deal with in Miami, because in Brickle alone right now, in Brickle alone right now, there are only four cops assigned at a time, four cars, four cars. And I got this in I got this information last night from a, directly from a cop's mouth and i was shocked because I, I i'm not i'm I'm not a big on the police guy i'm not going to tell you keep 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 investing on the police i it's just like please just keep our world safe we don't need ar-15s in schools we don't need any more george floyds we just need you 
to help us like you know i i would never look at cops badly but they're looked at badly i want to improve their image and by not getting them into as much drama by having more because when you have more people out there's less of a chance that a crime takes place that's just a fact because if there's eyes that means that someone's most likely not going to commit a crime unless they're bold enough to do it in the light of day so that being said um the public transportation thing it it really could happen because not even kidding the guy reached out to me yesterday wait you see i, I don't know if you can see the electric golf cart but a little bit yeah you can yeah, see yeah. It now that i'm bending it but yeah right there um free on demand 100 electric transportation and the city of miami does not want to use its 20 million dollar in transit funds to pay for it so my goal would be to find a way to get three votes to get this in here and explain a safe way to use it and how it'll work and how we implement it into our society using the half penny tax these are like i mean all so important issues and i think that the thing that is striking to me is like um i'm in a small town you're in miami that's a global city i mean that's an important city in the framework of america i mean it's what six million people probably yeah um, but, in the metro know, area yeah. and it's like so if you can solve these problems there you can solve them anywhere right that's why <laughs> i want that's why i want this opportunity i want to be the person that does the best job of solving this problem at the time right. that it needs to be solved I want to be the one that says, hey, this is what I'm doing about the environment. So what I'm doing about the flooding, this is what I'm doing about the resources for your kids in the future. This is what I'm doing about preserving green space. This is what I'm doing to make your quality of life just absolutely better. Keep your insurance down, keep your rent down, build affordable housing. I'm doing that because I want to be remembered as a great leader. Where that takes me, nine years from now if i were to win who knows who knows but the goal is just we have a pretty immediate goal here right we got an immediate goal to yeah save a few days most, away but no i mean like to protect the most vulnerable well, coastline in the world is a, a long-term goal that yeah i would honestly love nine years to solve that because i kind of need it you know right. it's i need it but um you know, the sky's the limit after that. And if you do a good job and, you know, no one's going to buy me. Like, I promise you that. Like, I, I've lost once honorably. I'll lose again honorably if this that were to happen. But I will never say that I did politics the wrong way. Well, I think that's the important thing. You got to be able to sleep at night. And this, it only takes one person to come in, do it the right way, to change the perception around what real politics are. Yeah. And I mean, I just think Miami's personally lost its definition of what politics are. I think that's true across a lot of places. Um, but I think that there if you know, people like you that are willing to not give up other things, but focus on just helping the communities. No, just I profoundly gave up a lot. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, yeah. yeah, yeah. No, thank you for being polite about it and not may hurt my feelings, because yes, I did leave a lot behind. It, it, you know, it's it's one of those things where do I regret it? Once again, I'm here for a reason. That's the way I feel about it is that it happened for a reason. And I controlled the beginning of the reasons. 
I, yeah. I said I wanted to run for mayor. I said I wanted to do all these things. And here I am today running for my hometown district that I was born and raised in that just somehow openly magic magically opened in February. Magically opened. And I, this is the thing. I would have to run again for re-election in November. So it's one of those <laughs> More things. More practice. For... I mean, come on. And they're making the election day on a Monday because they want to restrict people's voices. Of course. They don't want them to show up. And, you know, when people talk about, like, you know, special interests and things like that, those are the things that special interests do. They censor you from knowing the entire reality of the situation and media and that's why i love alternative media like people explore different perspectives on where they come from and i guess the reason i can say that i actually bring up andrew tate so much is because he's an idiot when it comes to women like and he just got he just paid for it you know what i'm saying like he's in jail but the fact that he's lived all over the world and he has all these buzzwords and catchphrases and stuff like that. He has a very broad geopolitical perspective that I, I very much genuinely appreciate the way he articulates it because mm -hmm. he does explain the problems with democracy. He does explain it from he doesn't look at, at London any better than he calls Miami godless. Do I do I agree with that? Well, unfortunately, you know, in some ways I do. And and that's why I'm out here to friggin' change them because I can't stand being from a place that's known as godless, incompetent. And that's what all these things add up to is incompetence and lack of being active in being preventing in preventing the, the the problems. Like public transportation would have fixed the traffic problem and that would have fixed the overdevelopment problem and that would have done but we make the steps that we take and here i am you know here i am no and no, i think it's important too because when you know when we think about even people like tate's message about the matrix and we think about these special interests controlling the narratives it, to me it's not about you know this um cabal of like 10 people controlling everything it, it happens at every level it, uh, it happens you know what i mean so it's like it's not five guys in a suit that are controlling the entire world it's the special interest at every local level every state level that and it's not necessarily their fault they know what they're doing is wrong but it's been enabled for a hundred years now um but it's important that people realize that there are other options there are people like yourself running for office that can go in there and you know the change may not be immediate but putting these people on notice that your message is getting to them and that your message resonates with people, I think is going to be game changing. You know, it, my, my real message here is I'm the youngest one. I have the most experience. I'm the, I believe I'm the most qualified. I'm the only one who's never been bullied to death. I, I, I went 343 days with the most famous mayor in America and believed I was going to win every day, but he never wanted to debate me. He never showed up to anything. So I that, you know, that's the only win that I can chalk up from it, minus, you know, the the triple double that I scored in terms of cost per vote. But right. but, you know, it's it was a learning experience that, you know, made me stronger for this moment. And had I not done that, there there's no way I would have known the in-depth complexities of these issues and and these mate because the reason I call it the Miami Matrix 
is because a police officer called it something that that got him fired involving a nationality and it is a matrix though because it's not just a nationality it's this person is connected to this person and this person is connected to that person but in miami they all just happen to be from hispanic countries Mm -hmm. so people look at it as a one nationality thing so i just really stress that the matrix is real and it's not like you said at different levels because i can tell you from last campaign who censored me why they censored me and how they censored me i could tell you who the mole was i i know all this sounds crazy to people listening but that's the thing is i wouldn't be back here right now doing things the same i'm not doing things the same way i'm I'm learning from it like I, i just goodbye Harold, like, go enjoy yourself, have a great forum, but I'm not going to waste six hours of my day for you to write half a sentence about me. Like when, how we we've been on here for what an hour and 15 minutes. I mean, that's more than I would have ever, ever, ever gotten to say in the Miami Herald. And this has a chance to reach so many more people's ears and eyes. And who knows how many of them live around here, but that's the beauty of it. You can still cut it up and send it out there rather than rely on people who you have no idea. It's all about who owns the newspaper. Yeah. Ask, ask who owns the newspaper and you will see the answers to everything. And I mean, that's as in depth I'll get about it. But once you look who owns up the newspaper and you search certain names together, you'll see the pictures, you'll see the relationships, you'll see. Yeah. It's just so easy to see, but, but you know, there's a there's always an agenda going on. Just remember that there's always you can consider it an agenda. There's not. There is. There are. There's always an agenda going on. And like you said, it's different industries. It's different industries making different moves at different times for different reasons. Like people want to say COVID was man-made. All right, you can say that. Whatever, say it. That's up to you. You can say that big. It was big pharma. You can all the conspiracy theories and real facts in the world just whatever but the fact is is we have to just actually deal with it and like a lot of people forget that we have no structure in terms of the world when it goes into chaos like that was the closest thing we'll ever have to chaos from from a a worldly perspective in most hopefully most likely our generation because september 11th you and you and i were in i know i was in fifth grade so you were either in fifth grade or or yeah i remember that day perfectly Mm -hmm. i remember that day perfectly because what happened that day i my mom's side of the family was is from staten island i'm calling new york you know with my mom and you know trying to it's not going through it's not going through because all the phone lines are busy Internet's running through the phone and everything. So you're not able to use that either. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, comes Wi-Fi after modems and everything. Like, where does Wi-Fi come from? People don't really ask. They just adopted the iPhone and said, okay, now everywhere we go, we're we're just going to connect to Wi-Fi. Now, I'm not saying that Wi-Fi is a bad thing or anything, but that was an agenda that you just had no idea about that was taking place. And that was the monopoly of technology. 
you, you know, that was the monopoly of technology. They really took over the moment of September 11th and used it as a way to catalyze the internet and the way people communicated. In my opinion, the way they messed up was doing everything behind a screen and not trying to get to video like this faster because now people are less comfortable with this than they would have been had they been able to do it earlier. And the truth is, is the technology was out there, but things like FaceTime were in an original part of the iPhone. When you were on AIM on your screen name, it could have been anyone behind that computer. That's how To Catch a Predator, the TV show started. Right. You know what I'm saying? It's like we, you and I, I'm 31. How old are you? 31. 31. We're 31. What we've seen in terms of the change from 90s culture to where we are right now in 23, look, inside, I feel like I'm 80 sometimes. Like, I really... <laughs> Like, I, I understand the younger technology because I have to, but right. it's like, damn, was it, was it really that long ago that we were just doing things like this? Like, it's Dude, so much easier. It was high school that the iPhone even came out. Like, we were, like we grew up without it. 11th grade. Uh, it's, I, I mean, so that just in that amount of time is that change. It, it's exponential. Yeah. And, and, you know, people want to talk about, like, plant, like, what the world's going to look like 100 years from now. Like, <laughs> like, like, like. We have to worry about that from an actual physical standpoint. Like, that's what I'm saying is like, we know technology is going to get better, but at the same time, like we can't let it get so good that we're laying people off left and right. That's all. Or we're going to have to find new economies. And trust me, that will happen. That that will happen. And hopefully, I don't know how you were on crypto, but, you know, I new economies have always happened, right? Like we don't have people plugging in, you know, phone operators anymore. We don't have, you know, I don't know, milkmans anymore. So it's, it's adapting. And that's where I'm talking about, like, you know, all these things, you know, it, it, you don't want to focus on conspiracy. You don't want to focus on this higher idea exactly. of a matrix. Like th- you have to educate yourself, um, but understand that, you know, a lot of these people are just taking advantage of opportunities that were presented to them. Um, you know, good or bad. It's not necessarily that they were controlling it from the beginning, but, you know, took advantage of opportunity. So you have to recognize when, when is your opportunity? And I think that like, you you know, you have been uh, drawn to the idea of making an impact in your community. That's like crazy considering as we've talked about the things that you've given up, but um, I think it's important to, once you get to a point in life that you start to see the benefits of giving back and giving to others and, you know, I think that that's just admirable and uh, pretty cool that you've chosen to do that. <clears throat> well, I mean, we started this whole conversation off without sports and uh, about sports. And I would have to tell you that the biggest privilege I've had in my, my family had money growing up. I was never struggling, struggling. The biggest privilege I had growing up was the opportunity to try all of these sports not many kids can say they've picked up a basketball a football and a tennis racket and been good at them or a soccer ball you know i know that my parents had to pay for me to be in the leagues i know that i'm very aware of that that's why i work so hard to do it but that's why now it's my job as a cornell government graduate to you turn the district that turned me into who I am 
to make it the next generation's development center of our youth, like mm. indoor, weatherproof, everything, because we want to keep people off of the streets. We don't want people to just be loitering. We just want people to have things to do. And that is actually a lot easier than people make it sound, but I'm telling you, it's just all about well, inclusive. What it costs money, right? And the whole politics is just the distribution of resources. That's what the definition of politics is. So all these things can happen, right? But it's taking money from something else that somebody else wants. That, exactly. That's that's the determination is where does our, our funding go? Is that, exactly. is that idea that, you know, maybe even through sports that people can find like, or just giving back the opportunities, is that the underlying motivation for the, for diving into politics for you? That idea that, you know, you were given these opportunities. Now let me give it to people that maybe don't. Well, I mean, yeah, that's what I meant about resources. Like I want to be able to keep the people, of the black community of Coconut Grove in Coconut Grove where Amari Cooper, Frank Gore, and so many other NFL stars have come out of, we need to keep their history alive. And like, you know, I'm going to ask those players for donations to build indoor complexes with their names on them and yeah. make sure that they're around forever for generations to come. And so that the athletes that are in the neighborhood right now have a place to go because if you are a young 14 year old black kid in that neighborhood, I don't know where you go to work out. Okay. I don't know where you do all those things, but I sure as hell don't see you doing them. And that worries me because I know how talented you are and we can't let that go wrong. We have to do everything we can to put you in the right spot to succeed. And that involves not just sports parks, but turning office spaces into affordable housing that are empty. Like we really have to consolidate space here because we are so overcrowded and so overdeveloped and dealing with so many infrastructure issues that if we don't find a way to consolidate, we're going to end up combusting. And that's, that's the unfortunate reality of, I know Miami and our current situation, um, worst affordable housing crisis in the United States you know, most vulnerable coastline in the entire world. I mean, we have issues that have core problems and core roots, strong roots that that are embedded in the way people think. And here the government uses, um, you know, depression and suffocation of time to make people feel terrible and helpless, like they can't do anything. One commission meeting a month on a Thursday morning when people can't make it because they want to restrict their voice and once again, have an agenda to do everything under people's noses, you know, right in front of them, but not giving them a chance to say anything about it. I, yeah, I just feel that a lot needs to change and someone needs to step up to it. And I, somehow I got here. Well, Bo, uh, and I guess we're, do you have to go? Do you have a time uh, hard cut I mean, off at three? I, 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 I keep going. All right. Um, wh why I'm do you? <laughs> why? And this is going to sound confrontational, but why care about the underserved communities? You well, okay. So I actually right now, it, the, the in District Two of the City of Miami, 
Mm-hmm. It's the wealthiest. It's the right. wealthiest. The, so the West Grove. The the West Grove is where I, I drove through every day. To it's been empty because the people, the foreign investors, have owned the lots for over my entire lifetime. I've never seen Grand Avenue in the Black community be successful. I've never seen that, and that's where the George Floyd protest happened, and that's when everything connected for me. And here I am running for the commissioner of this district. So I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be because I'm now able to actually fight and make a difference in these people's futures. And that to me means the world because I would love that opportunity because I chase wherever my passion takes me. And I don't let anyone put any limits on what I can achieve. Because anyone who's telling you that you have limits either doesn't want you to make it or they're jealous or they actually have a reason. They have a reason. If you have a reason, that's the only that's the only valid way. But if you have some other thing that is you can tangibly prove wrong and go, Max, you can't run for mayor. How many times do you think I heard that? (laughs) I'm sure. How, How many times do you think I heard that? I'm like, watch me do it watch me come in first or second because I believe I'm that good and I did it you know mm-hmm. never let never ever let anyone put limits on what you can achieve anyone who tries to bring down your mindset is just someone that you just don't want around you and unfortunately it's a mentality that has bled out into this city where people feel so damn defeated by this government that's been suffocating time after time after time that the media is so entrenched that they're not speaking up about it. Here I am fighting once again, 15 months later, using alternative media, social media, basically shadow banned all the time for no reason. And, you know, doing my best to do politics the correct way. But from George Floyd's protest to where I am right now, I mean, wow, wow! It's been a three. Years. Why was it so impact? Why was George Floyd so impactful for you? Oh, because this is a simple question. Is because all my idols growing up were black. Like I have yeah. a LeBron, I have LeBron James tattoo. I I have a LeBron James ball that he autographed when he was in eleventh grade, and I got it when I was eleven years old. So I've had it's the, it's one of the oldest LeBron James signed balls ever, but. I want to do a project with him where we can raise money for it. And, you know, I I don't want to profit off of his signature just because as a 10 year old on my birthday, I paid $250 to a dude in Akron to send me an autograph ball, but it has the newspaper. It has the slam magazine. I knew about LeBron before anyone. I, and I was so proud of that, but this ball, now he's the all time leading scorer in NBA history. Who's going to tell me that this ball would not finance my campaigns, buy my new apartment and do, but I don't want LeBron to ever think of me in that way because that is not what I would do with the ball. I want that ball. That ball gave him so much power to change the world from an athletic standpoint. The financial figures of that ball could give us both the opportunities to make differences in our communities that, we never thought possible through a partnership that, you know, has mutually beneficial results. And I'm the type of person who dreams that big. Like I dream that I can get to LeBron James and 
find a way to, to pitch him on this ball. Like LeBron, you're the only one that can determine the worth of it. If you want to sign it again, you can make it the only two time sign one time as a high schooler, one time as an NBA all time leading scorer ball. And then we can auction it off. Like, like that would be bananas. That it was signed be, at zero points and at 38,000 points. Like right. that's a, that's a, that's a fantastic way to put it. That's a fantastic way to put it, but yeah, it was though. But even before his senior year, his senior year in high school, he, he got suspended for getting a Hummer. Yeah. Now we're in the world of NIL deals. What do you want me to tell you? Things that were once so bad are just normalized now. How do you, in particular, you talked about other people bringing down your mindset. You talked about you know these beliefs that you have about um, just what you're here for. So how do you stay motivated and how do you keep that confidence in a world of people telling you, hey, don't do that. You're too young. There's no point. Like, how do you stay motivated? How do you keep your confidence? I work as hard as possible every day to do what I say. I am a person of my word. And whether you say something negative about me, whether you say something positive about me, it doesn't impact me because, I mean, it impacts me. Of course, I feel it, but it doesn't impact the actual thing I'm going through. It's just like, okay, this is just one person's opinion about it. Fine. That's fine. Like that's, you know, how many friends I've had to lose, unfortunately. It, it's just kind of the way it is. Oh, this guy's going into demo. This guy's going into politics. Like we're not going to talk to him anymore. Like I'm trying to be an activist, a diplomat. Like I'm really trying to fix a lot of major world issues here. Like really be the pioneer on the forefront. And those who understand that and know the fight that I'm going through, well, you know, they've done nothing but stick right by me. And those are the only people that I care about, the people that I would always want to make proud and never embarrass. Like that's, those are the only people whose opinions I care about. And they know that if I have a plan to achieve something, I, I was once the five ten white Hispanic kid that beat Michael Vick's Nike combine record. If there's anyone that can do it, I will find a way to do it. It's just like, that's, I, I just believe if you keep looking, if you keep looking and you never stay complacent, because once you get complacent, it's over. Right. It's same thing. Same thing as an athlete. Once you get complacent, it's over. Like you're, you're done. Like you, know, you stop work. LeBron spends like a million and a half a year on his body, on his body. That means masseuse. That's not even basketball practice. That's like the extra time. That's, that's insane. But he, why do you think he's in year 20 doing this? Well, for him, it was never about getting that NBA paycheck, right? I mean, for I mean, him, like, yeah, it was. I, I mean, a single mother, like, like. Well, I think he you're... knew that that was going to come, but it seems like there has to be more to it than just I want to get that first one. But that's where the complacency would have come in, right? I mean, oh, to him, it was God. always about a you bigger know, mission, a bigger idea. And guess where he came to achieve it? Miami. <laughs> sure. And I missed him because I was in college. Yeah, I I didn't get to I didn't get to overlap. I didn't get to overlap with him. Um, so I got to go to a few games when I was home, but I, I knew about LeBron James before everyone in that arena. And I didn't get to experience it on it. And I'm a main, like I follow I watch every heat game no matter what. Like right. to not experience the LeBron era in Miami, I think it was actually good for me because I'd rather much not have been around everyone while they were on the LeBron bandwagon. 
you know it's like okay yeah. cool like he's still my guy for now but honestly what he's done is incredible but I think the most important thing that I gained out of that ball is who he became as a person like he could have just been the great basketball player yeah. but he has taken it to a family level where Bronny and Bryce and Zuri and Savannah they're all they all have things to do. He set up Rich Paul as the best agent in the NBA. Maverick Carter, probably the best sports producer and talk, but, you know, out there right now. Like, LeBron is exactly what you do with – I mean, I don't want to say privilege here because for the, him, this is his it's skill. His platform, right? it, 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 it's his platform, but now he's privileged enough yeah. to do these things. Like – with his platform but to open schools you didn't have to do that you didn't have to do that and you didn't have to do it so well either you know and really put so much time and effort into it you didn't have to do a lot of these things that you do for people and you know the guy has dealt look look how old we've made him you know like by by always talking about him he's just kept focused he does not care what you say because he is so focused on just playing the game and doing it to the best of his ability until it's over. When until he's it's been, over. He's been in the, I don't understand. He's been in the public eye for going on 25 years at this point, And there's no scandals. No scandals. Yep. He's a family guy. That's, I mean, that, that's, that, people that's lose sight reason. of that stuff. People don't respect that kind of stuff, you know, oh. and how much he, he loves his family and how, how he'll like, uh, you know, an NBA player who is consistently has his wife courtside, has his kids around, is has all of his kids' games. That that's not a dude who's cheating on his wife. That's not a dude who's being scummy. That that's a guy who's literally everywhere in the public eye at all times. Like this guy, really loves those people for riding through all of this mm. with him because he would never do anything. You know how many people he's had to disappoint in his life. The first time he left Cleveland, we learned. We learned how many people, right. you know, truly wanted him to exploit him. But if you've been there since Maverick Carter days, since the Rich Paul days, since the St. Vincent St. Mary days, you know that he's kept the tightest group of people around him. And that's why he's been able to expand it, but let them do their own creative niches in it. That's why LeBron's Lakers are half clutch sports clients with with rich paul and you know maverick carter is doing so well on hbo with the shop it's it's, crazy yeah it speaks to the importance of like who you surround yourself with i mean it's people talk about all the time but i mean it's just so pivotal and that stuff rubs off when you get around other successful people or other people in the right mindset like even like yourself like there's not a lot of people um i mean they're out there so i shouldn't say that but like 31 years old that have done what you've done that want to get into politics. Like I feel like this opportunity for me just to get to talk to people like yourself is like amazing. Even if nothing uh, ever happens from it, if this gets no views, like the fact that we got to sit here for two hours. Yeah, no, no, this, will, this, this, this will get views and uh, I'll make sure of that. But <laughs> it, it, it's one of those things that, no, I, I always, enjoy, I don't like to talk as much as I'm talking now because I would love to get to know more about you, but I understand that this is your show. Time is limited, but, I've really enjoyed it too. And I think it went into a really, really great set, a bunch of great segues here um, in terms of, you know, what you really see as 
success uh just yeah you know like success is what you determine success is like as long as you're happy and chasing what you love and selling I, I, whatever your platform is doing it then then do it because you could just one more thing you no, could you easily as long as you want this the whole thing we mentioned about andrew tate like would you not say that i have his energy I mean, I have his energy, but I'm just selling a really shittier message than <laughs> you're not. You're not. You're not. I'm trying to fix your problems, but not help you make money. Like I'm trying to put mm. jobs in less traffic, and I'm enthusiastic about that. But I can't tell you to, you know, drive up in your Bugatti and you know act, you know, own the place because that's just not who I am and. You know, I, I don't believe in the material. I, I, to me, Nike's designer. I wear everything. Everything's always Nike. And it's a LeBron Nadal affinity. And that's another thing, you know, those are interests in the sport, like the, the apparel and everything. You know, I designed a, one of the final concepts for the Miami MLS team in 2016 and then 2018. And I had a great name for it and everything. Instead of Inner Miami, I wanted to name it the Miami Legacy. Miami Legacy. Legacy is something that you can't draw in a picture. It has to be a logo. It, a legacy is something you leave, you know? So, and it, considering it was David Beckham's team before he sold 90% of it to a certain group of brothers who just got a golf course ripped down in favor of an MLS stadium. I wanted Beckham to leave a great legacy and not get involved with the wrong people in the city of Miami. Unfortunately, my plan, there's tangible evidence on the internet that I tried to stop it. There is, there is, like, I'm just saying there is. And the apparel industry drives so many other aspects of sports. And what I said about LeBron, LeBron would not be who he is without the platform that Nike gave him there's and he and he made a choice to take less money from Nike over than a hundred million dollars from Reebok and oh I mean would you want to be stuck with Reebok right now instead of having LeBron 20s out like no like who's heard of Reebok recently like it's it's one of those things where those are people that are culture changers just like Nadal is for their tennis you know it's just like those are and that's why i'm gravitated towards the brand that's just why i wear it like i don't see him in gucci i don't see him doing all these amazing things in prada and whatever like i see him doing it in sweatpants and a t-shirt and getting the job done and i think everyone in zoom world learned that you don't need to wear a suit to be successful you don't need to wear a suit to be successful you just need you, you honestly just need the right circumstances and the right situation to present itself. That's powerful. Like that success isn't a thing that you find. Like, I think you train yourself and you wait for the opportunity. I, like you said, getting all those tools when you're a jack of all trades, get as many tools under your belt as you can and get good at as many things as you can and opportunities will present themselves. And then it's just taking those leaps of faith. I had never produced a podcast before everything DB with Darius. I just told him I, I'd, I'd get it done. I'd get it done. And I had the video sketches and everything ready. 
And I was supposed to be the co-host with him because we got off to an hour conversation at the Epic Hotel in 2019 in October. And it was supposed to be me and him co-hosting. But then when I get to his home studio, which is beautiful, I listen to him and his brother talk. Mm. And I'm like, that, that right there, that's the show. I'm, I'm not going to be the guy that feeds Darius statistics or anything like that. Like let Denzel, his little brother and Darius talk like brothers. Like they are just, and their chemistry was amazing. Their chemistry was amazing that we got invited to the Super Bowl, Pro Bowls, and it happened all so quickly that it rolled right into COVID. And that Mm. was perfect timing. Of course, yeah. And I'm so, I'm I'm just so proud of that story because that really just took initiative. That's what I'm saying. Like, I'd never created a podcast, but I went up to an NFL player who said he wanted to get into media. And I said, look, I will do the video and then turn it into a podcast. I don't know what the sound quality is going to be like because I'm not an expert at that yet, but we'll see how it goes. Turns out people need the X's and O's in video anyways. Right. So all the stuff that we were talking about actually did need to be video and my expertise did need to be needed, but it started off as a podcast and now he's got Pat he's hosting Pat McAfee co-hosting. He's got the man to man with Antoine Batea. He's being featured everywhere. Everyone loves it. Darius is like everyone's favorite Pat McAfee show guy. Like it, it's crazy. They love to see him on there. And just yeah. to know that I played any little role in that really, honestly, it means, it means the world. It means the world because, you know, I, you start things from the bottom and you see people go up, like all you want to do is root for them. Yeah, but um, but yeah, back to so yeah, any so like to see his trajectory from somebody that was like not that he's from uh West Virginia, but he's from you know a local you know being in Pittsburgh is kind of like the closest thing that we have to a city, um, but to see that and to see him do it his way and then to see that you were connected to to D Butt was like I'm like that's amazing, isn't that crazy though? Like I'm I'm not affiliated with Pat McAfee show, but like yeah, like yeah that that wouldn't have been so simple without me that's that's just what i'm saying is like it's all about the moment the same way the 224 on the song hit the way i knew it would if you released it on 224 at 224 we had three weeks to plan it like let's get this done it's still his highest youtube video ever darius man we got to get your voice out there immediately i didn't know the pandemic was coming <laughs> but but you got to be proactive about right. it if if someone isn't pushing you in the right direction or you're not motivating yourself to move in that direction, like that's why people come in, you know, it's, that's the only way you can like really like make new friends in today's world. Is, is that proactive being proactive? I mean, if you want to be a friend to someone, yeah. I mean, you, you, you just got to be proactive about it. Like it, it's, it's what, what time, like, do you think I have time for friends right now? Like, not really. Like I wish, mm-hmm. like uh, I'll, I'll show love on, you know, like Instagram, but I haven't looked at an Instagram story in like four years. I just put that thing on and let it go, go, go. So that the algorithm thinks all those people think I looked at their posts because I don't have the time for that. I, I don't think many people should, but anyways, that's once again, us being right. consumed by our phones and, it plays with the algorithm and it affects so many different things that 
you know, I, I, I really don't know that, um, I really just don't know that, uh, I don't know how to phrase it. I don't know how to phrase it, but I'll get back to it. I'll get back to it unless you want to wrap up. Um, we can, uh, I guess, well, let's, I want to end and give you that. You got, you got, you got, you got any questions or anything? No, I think you answered them. I mean, honestly, though, you can, you're welcome to come back anytime. Uh, I knew that it was going to be good, but you gave. Um, oh, you like, you like this episode. Yeah. Okay. But okay. you exceeded my okay. expectations. I mean, I'm looking at, but I think it's easier whenever you kind of connect. Like I have a similar story being an athlete in athletics, but to a much lesser degree. But um, so it's, it's cool to see someone else take that same kind of path. Yeah. And you know, that's, but that's the thing about once again, sports is I've lived in San Francisco, New York, and Madrid. Hmm. How, how do you think I got to know people? I went and played soccer, basketball, and just joined leagues. And eventually from then on, I met more people, especially working alone in startup world. Right. Like, you know, it's like you got to be proactive about it. Like friends aren't going to come to you the same way exercise isn't going to come to you. It's just like you got to be proactive about doing both. And when you're an adult, you need to turn it into a different type of thing. So, I mean, that's kind of what like the class pass of today is, right? Yeah. No, and I think that, I mean, that's kind of why I've only started like this really networking and kind of put myself out there in the past couple of months. Cause I, I just thought it was really important for where I was in my career. Like if, if, if you're going to do it, you have to start being proactive, not worrying about what other people say. And it's like, you know, even if you don't gain anything from it, to me, it was like, well, I'll get the opportunity to meet really cool people, hear really cool stories, and hopefully share that with others. And, you know, if that's all that it is, then that sounds great to me. I mean, absolutely. And hopefully, you know, you start making money off of it and it takes off more. And I think that all comes with time. You'll start to <laughs> to to ask more, more questions segued questions and get down different paths that you'll realize with your guest that you can get down mm -hmm. and and you'll eventually you know get better at interviewing just because like that's what you're doing now you're interviewing people and that's not back when we were in high school and college what'd you major in oh, I can't. because they told you that broadcast journalism was dead Right. They told you that journalism was dead. Now everyone's a fucking journalist. Well, it's like, I just love, like, it's, I love talking to people. I love hearing their stories. And it's like, but you can't make a career out of that. So it's like going to the numbers. So it's actually, I remember specifically conversation with people like do this because you can get hired. And it's like, but then you realize I don't, I don't want to work for anybody anyway. Yeah. And it's like, I'd rather do but, this. But you so. see, but you see that back then was a very progressive way of thinking. Yeah, yeah. It was it was an extremely progressive way of thinking, and there weren't as many, um, you know, uh, free. It wasn't a freelance world. It really wasn't. That's like, true. It wasn't a freelance world. You kind of were expected to go somewhere, but now I, I jumped into startup world, so I knew that wasn't the case. But other people just who didn't understand that, and they they continuously stayed at their corporate nine to five, like. A lot of them are happy. That's all I care about, you know, but, but you don't have to live. Remember once again, never let anybody put limits on what you can achieve. If you want to do it, just find the method, find the plan and make it happen. Write the playbook. I like that. And 
I got um I want to I want to give you at least one last opportunity to tell someone that's going to vote uh here in a few days like why they should pick you. I mean, uh, there are so many reasons, but I went into an elevator pitch last night at a at a panel that I had to do, and it's that I am fearless and resourceful. There is no one who has fought this fight the way I have, and there's no one who's willing to do it as ethically. There's no one that's trying to win it on brains and smarts, and there's no one as young and capable as I am. There's really time sensitive issues that are facing the city of Miami right now. And we all play an active role in it as commissioners. And mine is the one that's the most under attack and currently vacant. It's the one that needs to be urgently taken care of. And it's the one they care about the least because they will continue to bully it. I just believe that this city has so many issues that it needs guidance in the right direction and that that's something that I can give it based through not just experience but the ability to maneuver and be versatile and pick up new skills along the way that I've I've proven to be pretty amazing at so I I mean I don't expect too many people from Miami to listen to the podcast but if they do I mean don't be stupid that's that's just the best thing I could say yeah (laughs) So it's a it's a 15 candidate race. Mm-hmm. 11 people 11 people signed up to be appointed because they weren't even going to run an election. That's mm-hmm. how undemocratic Miami is. Like they weren't going to run an election. And point is is uh this is all in a 45 if I could pull this off in a 45 day turnaround and become the commissioner of district 3, not only would it be like uh one of those life dreams that we were just talking about I never knew I wanted, but achieving it it means it would be the next nine. It would be the next chapter. You know, I look at it as the next nine years, but it's technically the next nine months. You know, it's like you need to have a vision, a plan, a goal. And what what can you do tan- that, to tangibly change the landscape of things for the better nine years from now? That, that would be the goal of this sport. Ten-year career, nine-year career, whatever it is, I... You know, that that's just the way I look at it from the athlete's mentality. Thanks. I can't wait to have you back on as commissioner and when you're running for, for Congress, man. But I appreciate you you doing this and diving into so many different things with us. Jordan, I appreciate you, man. And if I can fix the climate crisis, traffic, <laughs> and uh, everything else, I think I'll be talking to you the next time I'm running for president. I would say so. So, <laughs> so, so, so yeah, dude, I hope we talk before then. But anyways, I really appreciate you having me on the show. You're a great dude. And it was awesome talking to you. All right, man. Best of luck to you. Thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate it. And best of luck to you as well and the podcast. Mm-hmm.